This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here from CBSSports.com, and you are listening to another episode of the Prospect Podcast. Today is Wednesday, August 26th, beautiful day here in Western New York. Jumping right in, I don't have a lot on the prospect or draft side today, um, but I want to talk about some pushback that I got on the article for ranking the top 10 young offensive cores in the NFL that came out yesterday and is now up at cbssports.com. I had criteria for a team to be included in this article or in these rankings. Your quarterback had to be entering no later than his fifth season in the NFL, receivers and tight ends no later than their fourth year in the NFL, and running backs third year in their NFL. And that was just based on shelf life at those positions. I think if you're a fifth-year quarterback, you're still relatively young. We see a lot of quarterbacks uh, play well into their 30s and get close to 40 and some older than 40 if you're looking at Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Um, And then wide receivers and tight ends. I think year four, you're an established veteran, but you're still relatively young. And running backs having the shortest shelf life of any position. By your third year, I I would still call you young, um, but you're probably entering your your true prime. And after that, um, we see a lot of running backs just fall out of favor on the teams that drafted them. And even if they had you know, high caliber seasons for those teams early in their careers. Um, the biggest pushback that I got um, was my number four team, the Los Angeles Rams. And you think it's very trendy now to rip on Jared Goff and say he's not a good quarterback. He's solely a product of that system that Sean McVay runs. And that, I mean, some of those things might be true, uh, but we're talking about back-to-back 4,600 plus yard passing seasons from Jared Goff. And a year and a half ago, he was in the Super Bowl. And really, his regression started in that Super Bowl where Bill Belichick's defense and all the talent that they had on the defensive side and the ability to lock down in man coverage really hurt that Rams well oiled machine that was just cruising through the NFC that season. And no, he did not have as good of a year last season. His yards per attempt dropped to 7.4 after back-to-back years uh, above 8. And anything above 7 is usually pretty good. If you're up at 8 yards per attempt or more, you're having a fantastic season. Um, 
So for Jared Goff to regress to 7.4 yards per attempt, um, his touchdown to interception ratio wasn't as good. He completes about 63% of his passes, which in today's NFL is good, but it's not great. Um, if, if this was 10 years ago, it would be you know one of the highest completion percentages in the league. Um, but it's still a good completion percentage to be around 63%. Um, but then beyond Jared Goff, and I'll get back to him in a minute, you don't have Robert Woods included in this young core because he was drafted in 2013. But you still have Cooper Cup, 2017 draft class. He's just, you know one of the more reliable slot receivers in the NFL. Josh Reynolds has flashed a little bit when he's been asked to play when there's been some injuries in that receiver group. He's not going to take over for, for Brandon Cooks or replace his production. He's not that kind of player, um, but has a pretty well-rounded skill set. And then Cam Akers, who is my number two running back in this draft class, um, coming out of Florida State, ran four four seven at the Combine. Um, outstanding contact balance, just a thick lower half, very springy, naturally elusive. That's what I would always bring up when I was watching Devin Singletary the previous draft season, that you just couldn't really put a finger on it, but just guys could not tackle him. He was just had great vision and lateral cutting ability. Cam Akers has that, and he has that downfield speed to hit 30, 40, 50, 60-yard runs. Um, so plug him into that offense, that outside zone that Sean McVay loves to run. And I think Cam Akers is going to immediately supplant Daryl Henderson, um, the team's third-round pick in 2019, and just be the feature back with the Rams this season. So those three right there, then you have – um, Gerald Everett, their, their second tight end behind Tyler Higby. It's only picked a few years ago out of South Alabama, a freak athlete. Go look at his mock draftable web. Um, explosive, explosive player. He hasn't really been utilized, um, as much as Tyler Higby and, and, and really has been a backup tight end. Um, it wouldn't shock me though, if he gets included more in this offense, uh, this season for the Rams. So you look at what they have and the fact that back to Jared Goff, um, again, back-to-back nearly 5,000-yard passing seasons was just in the Super Bowl and, and was a year ago um, before the season started in 2019. Everyone would have picked him as a top three young quarterback in the NFL. And now it was he had a couple bad games, threw a bunch of picks in a few games, but was still pretty good last year. Um, and it was, oh, Jared Goff's bad. He's just a system QB. Well, fine. If he's a system QB, he's not going anywhere. He's in Sean McVay's system. That, yes, might be very quarterback friendly, but Jared Goff is a very talented quarterback. I remember, of course, scouting him at at Cal. Um, He was the best quarterback in that draft class, I thought. Um, Carson Wentz is probably a little more talented in that he can do more with his legs, Um, but Jared Goff can make some Aaron Rodgers type throws down the field anticipation. Um, and I think he's going to be this NFL generation. And when I say that, I mean a generation in the NFL is not 30, 40, 50, 60 years. It's about seven to 10 years. He's going to be, or he's on track to be this NFL generations version of Matt Ryan, that Matt Ryan, all he does is he gets his team to the playoffs, he throws for over 4,000 yards, he has 20, 30, 35 touchdowns, Um, yeah, he throws 10 to 20 picks a season, completes over 60% of his passes every year, yards per attempt well over seven, Uh, got to a Super Bowl, lost to the Patriots, Um, and yes, he has some stinkers where he can throw four or five interceptions, not as good on the road as he is at home. I think that perfectly describes where we are right now 
with Jared Goff. So to me, Jared Goff is going to be, over the next 10 years, what we've seen, the perception of Matt Ryan, um, which I don't know if that excites or scares Rams fans, but and no, I don't think Matt Ryan is one of the top three quarterbacks in the league or top five quarterbacks in the league, but he is consistently putting up big numbers. The Falcons offense consistently is one of the better passing offenses in the league. Uh, so before you go full on with the Jared Goff slander and say he's terrible, he's horrible, they should cut him. Uh, I mean, certainly we need to see what he does in 2020. I think he's going to have a bigger season um, than what he did last year. It is very contingent, though upon that offensive line in Los Angeles that I think a big part of why the Rams went to the Super Bowl two years ago, they had Roger Saffold at one of the guard spots, John Sullivan, one of the more underrated centers in the league at the time, Andrew Whitworth was two years younger. Um, They lost a lot of those players, and Andrew Whitworth got older, of course, um, and just maybe lost a quarter of a step or a half a step. Um, but again, Andrew Whitworth being close to 40 years old, locking down the left tackle spot is incredible in the NFL. The Rams have added some pieces to the offensive line. I I still think that's kind of a weakness and Goff isn't a super athlete and super mobile. Um, and I think he can struggle when he's worried about his offensive line, but I think the weapons that they have with Cam Akers, um, and then Sean McVay's just his play designs, his play calling. I think Jared Goff's going to be in for another big season. I picked him late in a couple fantasy drafts, uh, sometimes as my first quarterback, others my, as my second quarterback. Like This is too good of a value. He's a high-volume quarterback. He's going to throw for well over 4,000 yards. He's going to complete over 60% of his passes. The Rams are probably going to have one of the better offenses in the league. They still have Robert Woods. And even for this young core article, uh, Gerald Everett, Josh Reynolds, Cooper Cup, Cam Akers, even Daryl Henderson. I didn't include him in the article, um, but obviously he's only entering his second season. So the Rams are a team that I think, I don't want to say that are being slept on, but you're hearing so much in the NFC West about Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and Cliff Kingsbury, year two of that, how many new pieces they brought in on offense. Certainly the San Francisco 49ers coming off that Super Bowl appearance. And then the Seahawks with a big season ahead for DK Metcalf um, and some changes on the defensive side that it's kind of easy now and it shows how quickly perceptions can change in the NFL. Like you don't hear as much about the team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl just two Super Bowls ago. I think the Rams, especially on offense, and you certainly have Aaron Donald in the middle on defense, um, and being led by Jared Goff on offense are going to score a lot of points and just not going to be a fun team to play. Uh, and, and again, Jared Goff to me is on pace or is right now the Matt Ryan of his quote-unquote generation uh, being about 10 years in the NFL. Two other things that I want to talk about quickly. Um, I have a running back piece coming out tomorrow. I think I teased it in the last episode. I don't fully remember Um on the impact that these running backs, including Cam Akers, um, are going to make in 2020. And I'm ranking them top 10. I did it for receivers last week. Uh, just Not just on talent, but that will be factored in or how I assess these players as they were coming into the league or what they did last year uh, or, or what they did in their final seasons in college, how I viewed them as prospects, and then just what we've heard about uh, some buzz at camp for these players um, and then ranking them. So it's not just, you know, the first player drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire is number one automatically. Number two we're seeing is, you know, the second running back picked. 
it's just kind of a, a reassessment as we're, geez, only less than three weeks out from the start of the NFL season, which seems crazy to me, um, but also very exciting. Look for that on CBSSports.com. And then next week we will get into my big board. Um, I have to watch more of the receiver class. This is the last thing that I'll, I'll finish with this. Um, because when you had, you have Rondell Moore, you have Rashad Bateman, uh, you lose Justin Ross to the neck injury that he's, I don't think he's going to be able to play football again, unfortunately. And he looked like um, a number one wide receiver in the NFL. And, uh, you know, like once he got to the league, um, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith from, from Alabama. After that, I, I don't know how many elite wide receiver talents there are. I think we have a tendency to kind of overrate these wide receivers early on. Because so many teams are highlighting wide receivers at the college level and at the NFL level. Um, I wrote that article earlier in the offseason about how th- having three good wide receivers is kind of having two good wide receivers, what it used to be, that you need to have three good ones to succeed in the NFL. We've seen some teams load up, Bills, Cowboys, um, at the wide receiver spot. And I think so we go into every college football season and say, yeah, this, this wide receiver draft class is going to be outstanding. Look at all these guys, these big numbers. But watching a lot of them, it was really after those three or four guys I listed, and Jalen Waddell hasn't really played a lot. He's the slot-only uh, wide receiver in the NFL. Devonta Smith at times looked better than Jerry Judy on the field, but he's so skinny. Is he six, six foot, six one, hundred and? 80 pounds like that's you're not going to be able to hold up against press coverage at that size I love Rashad Bateman uh, I think he can be a number one wide receiver in the NFL right away his route running savvy is outstanding for being a bigger receiver slippery after the catch a horse really to bring down uh, and has that size to win in those contested catch situations Rondell Moore probably a slot only did play a fair amount on the outside at Purdue Coming off the injury, very explosive, uh, elite speed, just not fun to see in space if you're a defender. Uh, but we're not going to see him this season because he's already opted out. I want to see some other players um, emerge that are in the ACC, SEC, and, and Big 12, and maybe some of the smaller schools that are still set to play. Um, I'm just, for as much as I was pleasantly surprised with the edge rusher class, I um, I thought that the wide receiver group that was initially billed as this, it could be as good or better than this awesome class that we just had in 2020. I I don't know if that's the case right now. Uh, Again, but I do need to dive a little deeper. There's two wide receivers at North Carolina, Daz Newsome and Dynamy Brown, that I really need to dig in on um, because they made a lot of plays in that offense last season. They both were over um, 1,000 yards. Both had double-digit touchdowns. Um, There's Chris Olave from Ohio State, and you know he's going to run good routes coming from that program. I don't know how good he is after the catch. I didn't really see him breaking a lot of tackles, making defenders miss after he caught the football and very skinny. Um, There's certainly a few guys that I'm leaving off here because there are just so many dynamic players at, at that position at the college level. But my initial takeaway from the big board that I put together was a little underwhelmed by the wide receiver class. All right, that'll do it for me today. I'm Chris Trapasso. Thank you for listening to the Prospect Podcast. Most people only see their doctor a few days each year. For all the other days, there's CVS Health Hub, where you can see a provider, fill a prescription, and grab the essentials you need in just one trip, even on evenings and weekends. 
for care between doctor visits, from earaches to help with diabetes or sleep apnea. Visit your local CVS Health Hub today. That's healthier made easier. Services vary by location. See cvs.com slash health hub for details.